Billy Kelly would say, praise God, that'll crank a truck, amen. So <laughs> I like that, amen, glory to God. I'm thrilled for that. And uh, like I said, please don't ever change your music, amen. Please don't, it's wonderful. It's right just as it is. And I thank God for that. And uh, man, you get in a lot of churches today, you, you, you get uh, all kinds of strange imbalances in church music. Sometimes you get a Tammy Wynette special, and other times you get Mary Poppins or something, amen. And uh, so, I, but uh, the, your music's right on point, y'all. I love it. Thank God, amen. And uh, I appreciate that so very much. And it's been a joy to be here with you guys. I, uh, I ate lunch with uh, your pastor today and uh, had a wonderful time of fellowship with him. And uh, I guess we ate Mexican again. Amen. I, uh, I believe in being positive. That's why I'm a Mexican fan. Amen. So I like that kind of stuff. And uh, we went uh, in there again. And uh, the, the waiter came up to me and goes, hey, man, how you doing? So we're, we're, we're buddies now. Amen. So uh, I appreciate that and the opportunity to be here with you guys in Akron, Ohio. And uh, I appreciate uh, the Lord, what he's doing here at this church. I want to say uh, before we get started tonight, church, you've got something special here. You really do. And uh, don't take it for granted. Don't take it for granted. Uh, I, I just met a man not too long ago. He said, I'm moving to Iowa. And I said, well, what are you doing something like that for? And he said, the, he said, the thing is, I'm taking a job out there. And he said, man, there's like no churches out there at all. He said, we're going to have to drive an hour and a half one way to go to church. And I thought, I, my first thought was, you better make sure that's God's will. And uh, my second thought was, Lord, help us. There's places in this world where folks have to drive that far to go to church. And, uh, but I'm thankful that uh, there's a good church here, and uh, you're a member of it. You're here, and you're part of it. And I've enjoyed the missions conference this week. And uh, I, I listen, I always love world evangelism. Uh, I don't know what some people are living for. The idea of reaching the world with the gospel is something that thrills me beyond anything. I, I tell you what, I just, that's what I want to live for. And I want to do that with my life. I can't imagine doing anything else. And, uh, and so I'm so thankful for that. And uh, tonight I want to try to preach to you as brief as I possibly can. And that means nothing, amen. And, uh, but let's go to John chapter 4 is where we're going to start today. And God has uh, shown me some things, and I want to try to share these things with you, these thoughts uh, from the Bible. And when you get there, will you stand with me for a moment while I get a drink of water? I done said amen too much. I'm wearing myself out already, amen. John chapter number 4. And uh, we find here the story of the woman at the well. And uh, the, the disciples were kind of shocked that Jesus would speak to this woman because she was a Samaritan. And, uh, and, uh, but the Lord, man, he, he saw a soul. He didn't see a Samaritan. And uh, he dealt with her. And look what it says in verse number 9 of John chapter 4. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. There's a phrase here in verse number 10 I want to lift up to you. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God. Can I tell you that was the heart of Jesus in this passage for this woman. If they, would just, if they could only know the gift of God. And can I tell you that's still the heart of the Lord Jesus today across the world. If they could just know the gift of God. And I want to preach to you on the subject tonight. With God's help on the gift of God. I see several gifts in the New Testament, and I want to share these gifts uh, with, the, with this church tonight and uh, just ask God to speak to us and help us. Let's pray for just a moment. Father, 
Thank you for the opportunity to preach to this great crowd, this great church with solid people who love God and love Jesus and are giving their lives to serve the Lord God. I pray, Lord, tonight that you would please speak to hearts, that you would help us. Lord, as I stand behind this pulpit, I feel so inadequate. I understand, Lord, that if I get up here and operate in the power of the flesh, nothing good will happen. No eternal value will come of it. But God, tonight I pray as I preach and as I, as I do uh, the work of preaching here today, God, that you'd fill me with the Holy Spirit, that you would do a work in my life that is unexplainable and undeniable. God, I pray that you would please uh, do something real beyond my ability in this hour. Lord, I pray, God, for the attention of the people. I pray, Lord, as I preach, that you'd help my mind to think clearly and pray that uh, you'd help my mouth to speak clearly the wonderful truths of the Word of God. We pray for a good delivery of truth. And Lord, I pray as I, as I share with this crowd of people the things you've shared with me, may the compassion of the Lord Jesus Christ be evident. May the, may the heart of God be explained and, and, and conveyed properly in this message. And God, today as I, as I preach, God, that you'd, uh, uh, Lord, call someone to greater service for you. Call someone uh, from their backsliding ways to get back on fire for God for you. Call someone, Lord, today to stir up their gift of God and stir up, uh, Lord, their heart. Encourage us and refresh us. Lord, we pray for a touch of revival on this meeting, God, tonight. That you start something in us that would last throughout the year and that would change us and conform us and challenge us to be more like Jesus Christ. Lord, I cannot, be, I cannot do this without you, O oh God. And we pray for your divine help and divine favor upon the service tonight. And uh, pray for a good response to the invitation here in a little while. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you so very much. You may be seated tonight. I see here in this passage of Scripture the phrase that the Lord Jesus Christ said uh, about, uh, about the gift of God. He said in verse 10 of John 4, Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God. I want to say today that uh, the world is lost in their sin and they need somebody to tell them that Jesus does save. Amen. I believe there's going to be a lot of people at the end of the road that are going to die and go to hell because of drugs and liquor and alcohol and immorality. I believe that. Uh, I witnessed to a man one time in Georgia on the bus route, and, uh, and he told me, he said, Spencer, he said, the problem with me is I like beer, and I'm not going to give up beer for anything, not even Jesus. He told me that. And uh, that man died a drunk, and he died and went to hell. So he chose alcohol over the Lord Jesus Christ. And I believe there'll be a bunch of people that are there because they made decisions, terrible, tragic decisions like that. But I believe the world today, most of the people in the world are going to die and go to hell simply out of sheer ignorance of the gift of the grace of God. I believe that today. My problem as a teenager was, was not that I did not care. My problem was is that I did not know. And can I tell you that I believe most people in hell, if they had just someone had just come to them and just told them that Jesus saves and that Jesus died and buried and was rose again, if they had just known they would have God gotten saved, but nobody got to them in time. And I want to give you five things today about this gift of God in the New Testament. We'll just, uh, we'll do all this and give you five points and then I'll, I'll scream a little while and then we'll give an invitation and then we're going to go. Amen. That'll be good because that's how us Baptist people do our church services. Amen. And uh, because that's in the Bible somehow. Let me say number one, that there, there's a saving gift. Amen. In the New Testament. Go to Romans chapter number five. I want you to see this. Uh, the gift of God is a saving gift. Romans five says this in verse number 
15, the Bible says, uh, But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift of grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. Let me say, uh, first of all, that there is a free gift of salvation. Amen. Uh, Can I tell you that salvation is a gift because it cannot be earned. It can only be received, my friend. Uh, Can I tell you, if I were to come up to you and hand you my watch and say, I'm going to give you my watch and uh, there's no strings attached, that would be a gift. But if I were to come up to you and say, I'll give you this watch if you come and uh, mow my grass and clean my gutters once a month and just make sure that my yard's cleaned up, that would not be a gift anymore. That would be a purchase. Uh, Can I tell you, I did not purchase my salvation. Jesus purchased my salvation. He purchases with his own precious blood. Thank be unto God. He paid it all. He said it is finished. Paid in full. It's done. And all he does now is he offers up to mankind and says whosoever will let him come and take whosoever will. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Praise God. One of the great uh, studies in the Bible is the word whosoever. Amen. Uh, Can I tell you from the first mention all the way to the final mention all the way through the scriptures the word whosoever is an indiscriminatory blanket uh, saying to mankind anybody big and tall fat and skinny thank God for the fat people involved in whosoever amen for that glory to God amen hallelujah I'm thankful for that let me just stop and just say amen on that right there okay Anybody, whosoever, can partake of the free gift. Amen. And can I tell you that that old hymn, Whosoever meaneth me, can I tell you, Whosoever meaneth me, and it meaneth you. And thank God for John 1, 12, the Bible says, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Amen. I was an 18-year-old crazy teenager, and somebody told me that Jesus died for my sins, and that he was buried, and that he rose again, and that if I would receive Jesus Christ as my Savior, I could have the free gift of eternal life, and I received that gift that day, not because I was good, but because Jesus was good, and because it was paid for, and it was free, and it was for me, and I took it, and I became a joint heir with Jesus Christ on that very night. Thank God for the free gift of eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 6.23 says this. It says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Someone said in that verse, verse 23, circled the word but, and it said here on one side, it says, For the wages of sin is death, and then it says, But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. He said it just matters what side of that word you're on. Amen. That's all that matters about being 
lost and being saved. Amen. And when I trusted Christ, I went from one side to the other and I was born again. Hallelujah to God for that. So there is the saving gift in the New Testament, the gift of God that's offered freely to all men. But let me say also, number two, I believe this. I believe that there's a gift of serving in the New Testament. Go to Ephesians chapter number three. I want you to see this today. Ephesians chapter number three. And we'll look there for just a moment. The Apostle Paul is speaking about uh, about ministry and things like that. And he says in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse number 7, he says, Whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of His power. What he's saying there, he said, God gave me a gift and He made me a minister. And I, he said, God's working through me according to this gift of the grace of God. And can I tell you that everybody's given some sort of gift to serve in the local New Testament church. Uh, can I tell you, you heard some, you heard some ladies exercise a gift today. Uh, I, I, some ladies are singing before the church. Can I tell you, I've never been asked to sing in a quartet before. I've often wondered why. I mean, I, I could just imagine myself getting up there singing that good old classic, Drop Kick Me Jesus Through the Gold Post of Life. Amen. Have y'all ever heard that song? Amen. Drop kick me, Jesus, through the goalpost of life, not to the left or yet to the right. Amen. That's a blessing. Amen. Hallelujah. Yeah, I didn't know I was that good a singer. Amen. Look, can I tell you, there's, there, everybody's got a gift. Everybody has an ability. Everybody has something that they can do for the glory of God. I'm going to tell you something. There's some folks in churches that are, that are, have, that are good welcomers. There's some folks who are good musicians. I, I am not a good musician. If you handed me a trumpet, I'd probably tear it to pieces. I don't even know what to do with that thing. Amen. Uh, but can I tell you, there's some folks that God has blessed and God has given abilities to to minister in the local New Testament church. Amen. Man, and you need to find your gift and you need to exercise your gift. Thank God. There's some folks, man, that, that listen, there's some folks that cannot sing and you better not let them sing. Amen. They'll destroy a church service real quick. Uh, but I'm telling you, there's other things that they can do and uh, be a blessing to folks. And I'm one of those folks, you better not let me sing. Amen. They, they don't even let me sing at the choir when I'm home. Amen. They just say, Spencer, just sit right there and just, just sit. Okay, please. God bless you. Amen. And uh, they, they love me very much. I feel welcome at my home church. Amen. Glory to God. Had, uh, but can I tell you, everybody's got a gift. Everybody's got something that they can do uh, for the glory of God. He said in Ephesians 3, 7, Whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of His power. God empowers people uh, to serve Him. Let me say also, go with me. Let me give you a third gift real fast. And uh, we're going to try to preach as quick as we can tonight. Some of you are tired, and I can tell by looking at you. Amen. That's all right. Well, I, no, I changed my mind. I'm going to preach a long time tonight. Amen. Got to be good. There's a saving gift, a serving gift. Let me say number three. I believe there's a supplying gift. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter number 9. I, um, I, I look here, and I, uh, I, I look at this text, and I try to uh, examine it thoroughly. And uh, we find here in 2 Corinthians 9 the promises of giving. Man, there's so many good things here. Uh, we went through this in Sunday school this morning. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 6 says this, But this I say, he which soweth sparingly uh, shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully every man according as he purposeth in his heart. So let him give not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. Can I tell you that giving ought to be a cheerful opportunity? 
opportunity. Amen. I t- I bl- I've been in a lot of song services where people have started smiling. And I've been in a lot of preaching services where people are smiling. But I've been in very few, very few offertories where people were smiling. I, as a matter of fact, it's almost, like, it's almost like God's people all of a sudden go into a deep depression, a dark depression when the offering plates start coming around. Uh, can I tell you, the Bible says God loveth a cheerful giver. Amen. You start smiling during the offertory, people th- start to think you're on medicine or something like that. Amen. And it shouldn't be that way. But let me say this also. Look what it says in verse number 8 of 2 Corinthians 9. It says, And God is able to make all grace, that word grace is money. Amen. God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things may abound uh, to Every good work, meaning this, that God is able to pay uh, for your faith promise and God is able to take care of you as you take care of the local church and as you take care of the needs and missions. God is able to provide for your needs as you provide for the needs of others. I didn't get many amens on that one. Amen, Well, I think I might have killed the meeting. I need to get out of here. Amen. I'll let Brother Steve Cavanaugh finish this message. Amen. The Bible says in verse number 10, Now he that ministereth seed to the sower, both minister bread to your food, and multiply your seed sown, and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Meaning this, that as you minister seed to the sower, that sower there is the missionary. God will both minister bread for your food, meaning God will take care of you as you take care of the missionary, and multiply your seed sown, meaning that God will enable you to see more people saved as you support missions and as you take on the work of God. God will take care of you and and enable you to sow more seed. And get this, and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Meaning this, in the judgment bar of God, there's going to be people that are going to, that are going to come up to you and they're going to be of a foreign nationality and a foreign language and they're, they're going to have a different culture than you are and they're going to come up to you and say, thank you for giving to the Lord because you gave, I, was, I got saved because you gave, your church took on so-and-so missionary and that so-and-so missionary came to my place and knocked on my door and told me about Jesus and I got born again. I'm telling you, wh- wh- why is that going to happen? Is because you gave and you support and you gave to the work of God and you know what's going to happen when that happens you're going to lose your mind and you're going to say Woo! glory to God and you're going to run a street of gold for a million years amen someone says uh, said diabetes runs in my family no the problem is nobody runs in your family amen so hallelujah but you're going to run that day amen you're going to run you're going to run and by the way let me just say I was studying the Bible the other day And the Bible is against treadmills. Did you know that? It's against it. The Bible says the wicked fleeth when no man pursueth. Amen. Your 5K is out of hell, sir. Amen. With your little green protein shake and all your little sissy britches shorts you're wearing around. Going running and jogging and getting your heart rate. That's effeminate nonsense. Amen. You need to get off that, that 5K and get you a squat rack, sir. Amen. So, well, y'all be all right. I'm leaving town. Amen. It's all right. I forgot what I was preaching about. Oh, yeah, running. Amen. That's, that's no good. Amen. All right. All right. But look what it, look what it says here. Um, look what it says in verse number 12. For the administration of this service not only supplieth the want of the saints, but is abundant also by many thanksgiving unto God 
Whilst by the experiment of this ministration they glorify God for your professed subjection under the gospel of Christ. That, that, that's the missionary. They glorify God for your professed subjection under the gospel of Christ and for your liberal distribution unto them and unto all men. And by their prayer for you which longeth after you for the exceeding grace of God in you. Verse 15 says this, Thanks be unto God for His unspeakable gift. Now, I believe there that's unspeakable gift. According to the context, 2 Corinthians chapter 9 is the opportunity to give and God provide for your needs as you give. Y'all didn't say amen right there. Y'all make me nervous right there. Amen. But I believe today for the great opportunity it is to give to the work of God. And I'm going to tell you something, at the judgment bar of God, I believe that every, that every one of us that gave and that every one of us that, that, that gave our lives and gave our, our time and our talent and our treasure, we're going to say thank God for the opportunity that God gave me to be involved and invested in the work of God. Can I tell you something today, you American Christians, you have a wonderful opportunity today to see people saved through the finances that you have. I believe the North American uh, 21st century Christianity, you are the most well-fed, well-protected, and the most rich Christians to ever walk the face of the planet, and you have been given a wonderful opportunity to give to the Lord. I mean, listen, you you are not growing food in your own backyard for your survival. You are, you. I mean, listen, uh, most people in the world today are starving to death, and most of us are trying to figure out how to lose weight. Some of y'all looked at the floor when I said that. Can I tell you, we're rich. We're rich. You are loaded. If you don't believe that, come to Africa with me. I'll show you children that the greatest toy that they own is a stick. And, it's, and, and they're glad to have it too. You're, you're, you're rich and you have a grand opportunity to go forward and to give and to be a part of the ministry through your finances. Let me move off this point because some of you ain't liking it. That's all right. Amen. I'm talking about a saving gift. There's a serving gift. There's a supplying gift. But let me say, go to 2 Timothy chapter 1. I want you to see this. 2 Timothy chapter 1. I would call this number, number 4. I would call this the stagnant gift. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 1. The Bible says this in verse number 6. Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. Now that's an interesting phrase right there. He says you need to stir up the gift of God. I um, Not too long ago I went to a restaurant. Now, God has blessed me. My wife calls me the man with the iron stomach. I can eat anywhere in the world and not get any type of food poisoning or nothing like I've never had any trouble. I mean, we ate at a restaurant in western Kenya, and I asked for fried chicken, and they brought out something that looked like a fried, deep-fried bat, okay? It was the grossest-looking thing I'd ever seen in my life, and I'm I'm really, to this day, I'm not totally convinced it wasn't a bat, okay? Okay. It was gross. It was nasty looking. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure there was an eyeball still in there somewhere. And guess what I did? I ate it. And it was awesome. It looked ugly, but it tastes good. Amen. You could deep fry anything and it would taste good while I'm on it. Amen. 
I've had, I've had a deep fried Oreo. That was awesome. I had a deep fried Twinkie one time at the state fair. That was pretty good. Glory to God. I, listen, I've got an iron stomach and you could, you could deep fry roadkill and I'd probably eat it and be all right. Amen. And I, I may have had that before over in Africa. I don't know. But, uh, I, I went to a restaurant not too long ago, and the only kind of food that I'm kind of careful with is Chinese food, because I'm not totally convinced those guys are up to code on this kind of stuff, okay? I thank God for Asian food, but I don't trust these Chinese restaurants no farther than I can throw them. And I went to a Chinese restaurant, and the pastor ordered for me something weird. It had tentacles, and it had eyes, and it was weird and tasted like I was chewing on a football at some point. And I ate it, and after a while, I think it was still alive when I ate it. And I thought to myself, something's wrong on the inside. There was a war inside of me. I think whatever I ate was planning its escape or something. I don't know. And I thought, oh, Lord, help me. Something's happening. It was not a good feeling. And I went to the cabinet and I said, I need to find that old stomach medicine we used to have. And, uh, and that, that, that pink stuff. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And uh, pink. What, what's that stuff called? Pepto-Bismol, that's the only thing pink in my house, amen. I'm against pink, hallelujah. One t- I-, I wear white undershirts with my dress shirt. One time my wife washed a load of clothes and there was a red something in there and all my undershirts turned pink and I threw them away, amen. She said, you're not going to keep those? I said, no, no Sodom and Gomorrah in my house, hallelujah to God. I shouldn't have said that, amen, y'all pray for me. But I went for the medicine. Because I don't use stuff like that very much. It sat there for a long time. I pulled it off the shelf. And there was pink stuff in the bottom about that much. And then there was clear fluid on top of it about that much. And I said, that ain't right. He said, that's nasty. I brought it to my wife. I said, what are you doing with this? And she said, how long has that been there? And I looked at the label, and I think Bill Clinton was still president when that stuff was expired. And uh, my wife said, just shake it up. It'll be all right. So I said, okay. And I took that thing. And it looked like cottage cheese. And so I took it up some more. I said, all right. And I took it, and I drank some. Guess what? It worked. It worked. It was good, too. Amen. I love that bubblegum flavor. That's pretty good. I'm sorry. I should have said that. That was the weakest thing I've ever said behind the pulpit ever. <laughs> but can I tell you today that I could not have used that medicine until I'd first stirred it up. And can I tell you today, a lot of Christian people, God can't use you until you get stirred up a little bit. Can I tell you that a lot of God's people are sitting, soaking, souring 
and really have, have become in a spiritual comatose sense. Rigor mortis has set into your life spiritually and nobody can budge you, nobody can move you. You come sit on a pew and here I am. Bless me if you can. Can't get a holy grunt out of nobody. I'm convinced there's some churches I could go into and I could pull a nine millimeter out and start shooting bullets in the ceiling and nobody'd move. I have not tried that, just to clarify. But I want to I say this today. The world is lost because we're covered with frost. I'm going to say that again because I think some of you weren't listening. The world is lost because we're covered in frost. It's only when God's people get stirred up will they do something and be able to be used by God again. I want to say that the world will never know until you stop being a spiritual Eskimo. I want to say that uh, the church has become an orthodox icebox. We're gun barrel straight in our doctrine and just as empty. Yeah, some of you ain't liking this. That's all right. Can I tell you, the gospel will never get out until the local church thaws out. Someone said this, said, uh, said our church is so cold and dead, if I were to get a pail of milk and walk in the back door and walk down the aisle, by the time I'd get to the pulpit, it'd be a pail of ice cream. That's how cold it is in there. And can I tell you what the local church needs is we need preachers who will stand up and stir us up. And we need singers that will stand up and stir us up. And we need to get out of our dead gear a little bit and wake up and smell the coffee and realize that God is still good. God has not died. Jesus is still on the throne. Everything's all right. Our God still reigns. He's never lost. He's never got cold. He's never got sick. He don't feel good. I'm telling you what the local church needs is a steady diet of men that will get up and let her rip, tater chip, and just blow everything to pieces and, and just preach his guts out. That's That's what a local church needs. Hallelujah to God. I like hearing men preach that when they preach, they sound like a domestic dispute in a Mexican trailer park. Amen. Hallelujah. Woo! Amen. I like Y'all didn't like that. Amen. We all right. Amen. I'm going to tell you something. We need folks that will stand up and stir us up and let us get stirred. And that way we go out and do something about it with our life and go reach the world with the gospel. When I was in... um, Eighth grade, I joined, I went ahead and got out of eighth grade, went into ninth grade, and I joined the freshman football team at Decula High School. And our teachers were our coaches. And I remember our very first game of, uh, of freshman football, our coach's name was Bob Gilbert. We called him Coach Gilbert. Coach Gilbert was a good man. He was a, he was a PE teacher at the local school. And we had practiced for a couple of weeks. And our first game had come up. We played on Thursday night because the varsity team played on Friday night. We played on Thursday night. And I remember a coach, Bob Gilbert, got us all together before our very first freshman football game was played. And he said, all right, guys, come on in here real close. And there was about 40 of us. He said, guys, come in here and take a knee. And we said, okay. And Coach Gilbert took his glasses off. 
And he said, he said, fellas, he said, look at that football team over there. He said, have you ever seen a bigger group of effeminate sissies in all of your lives? And we looked over there. And all of a sudden, that football team that looked like a football team looked like a bunch of sissies. And he said, fellas, we're going to get out on that football field and we're going to destroy these people. And I looked over there and I said, we're going to destroy these people. And I started to shake and quiver. And I started to get excited. He started, he started saying all kinds of awful, terrible things. It was, it was unbelievable, some of the things he was saying. And, uh, I mean, he, he had us screaming and jumping up and down. And we were thrilled and excited. And we were doing this. And by the time the game started, we were a bunch of savage, insane, crazy 14-year-olds. Amen. Back then in those days, I could run pretty good, and I was on the kickoff team. I was the guy right on the right side. The kicker was in the middle, and I was on the right side of the kicker. And I remember he kicked off that ball, and I ran like a, I mean, I ran as hard as I could down the field, and I was going to tackle that boy, and that boy caught that football, and I remember he ran this way, and it was awesome. Uh, He ran this way, but all of our guys were that way, and I remember he decided he was going to cut back this way, but God was good to me. And God gave me an open door just like the parting of the Red Sea. And I ran right into that guy. I mean, I had a lane that was just, I mean, you could drive a truck through that lane. And he cut back my way. And I had the most wonderful opportunity. I put the top of my head in this guy's neck right there. And when I hit him, I hit him wide open. And he made a noise that sounded like this. I don't like that. And I didn't just hit him, I went, I didn't just run into him, I ran through him. And his helmet popped off his head, and, and, and I laid on top of him, and after the play was over, I wasn't done yet, y'all. I, was, I had just got started. I, I did not lay on top of him, I picked him up, and I grabbed him, and I said, I'm going to murder your family. And my team started grabbing me and pulling me off. And I said, no. I said, I'm going to water the field with your blood. I mean, it was awesome. Next thing I know, whistles are being blown and flags are everywhere. Them sissy referees throwing their little hankies at me. What kind of nonsense is this? Throwing your hanky. 15 yards personal foul on number 45 gold. My coach said, I know you're excited, but settle down a little bit, Spencer. They said, you can get excited, but not that excited. And can I tell you today that local church pastors, lots of times, they feel like they're trying to resurrect the dead rather than trying to restrain a bunch of fanatics. Can I tell you today what we need some folks that will go a little crazy. We need some folks that will get a little excited. We need some folks that will go to the workplace and say, Hey, I want to let you know what my pastor preached on this Sunday. He preached on this, that, the other. And be the crazy man at work. I'm going to tell you something. We need some folks that will get excited and stirred up again about Jesus and about the world going to hell. And say, I'm going to do something about it with my life. Amen. Woo! Amen. I need my hanky. I'm going to wave it here in just a second. Amen. I remember the first time I shouted in church. We okay? Can I have a can I have a vote of confidence on time? We okay? I need five. Raise your hand and give me five more minutes. Okay, five more minutes to preach. Amen. All right, that wasn't that was forty percent, y'all. That was bad. 
Remember, the very first time I went to a revival, I was 18 years old. They took us to a place called Pond Fork Baptist Church in Pond Fork, Georgia. And the pastor got up and he, uh, he, he said, all right, we're going to have Brother Roy get up here and sing a special now and everything. That's how he talked. He, every sentence he ended it with now and everything. He said, Brother Roy, get up here and sing a special now and everything. And he said, he said Billy, get over there and play that piano. And I looked over that way and Billy was a, was a, was a nine-year-old boy, weighed about 300 pounds. And Billy walked up to the platform and got on that piano bench. And I think he played the piano bench just as much as he played the piano. Felt sorry for that thing. OSHA needs to step in and rescue that piano bench. Amen. That was an engineering miracle, that little boy sitting on that thing. That thing probably wasn't made in Taiwan. I can tell you that right now. I thought, Lord, help. And then then Brother Roy got up and he, he started to sing a song. Billy was playing on the piano and Roy was singing. He got up and he said, uh, he sang, Once my soul was astray from that heavenly way. I was wretched and as vile as could be. And my Savior in love gave me peace from above when He reached down His hand for me. When the Savior reached down for me, He had to reach way down for me. I was lost and undone without God or His Son when He reached down His hand for me. And some inside of me said, yes. That had never happened before. I was scared. I thought, that's not, supposed to, that's not natural. And then the guy sang the second verse. He goes, he goes, I was nearing despair when he came to me there. And he showed me that I could be free. Then he lifted my feet, gave me gladness complete. When he reached down his hand for me. And then it happened. I was a teenager. I was supposed to be cool. I sit on the front row of that church, and all of a sudden I went like this, Woo! just like that. And uh, if I could have crawled under the pew, I would have, because I couldn't believe I just did that. The first thought that went through my mind as an 18-year-old boy is that it's all over for me now. I said, I'll never get married because girls don't marry boys who do stuff like that. Amen. And he sang another verse after that. He said, now my heart does rejoice since I made him my choice. From the tempest to him I now flee just to lean on his arms safe, secure from all harm. Oh, and he reached down his hand for me. Oh, and the Savior reached down for me. He had to reach way down for me. I was lost and undone without God or his son. Oh, when he reached down his hand for me and it was over. 
I started shouting and crying and doing that right there. And I said, I'm, I'm sick of being a cool dude. Something's going on inside of me and I can't help it anymore. I got a case of the can't help it. And I said, man, I don't care. Glory to God. And I went, woo, like that right there. I'm going to tell you today what the local church needs is to come out of your spiritual slumber and come out of your spiritual deadness and awake unto righteousness and get stirred up and realize the world's going to hell and realize that God can save sinners in this day and age. He can save your family. He can save Africa. He can save Asia. He can save America. How about that? He can change the world with the power of the gospel if you just get stirred up and realize that God can do something in this life. Amen. And He can use you to do it. Some of you aren't liking this. That's all right. Amen. I'm almost done. It's a saving gift, a serving gift, a supplying gift, a stagnant gift. Go to Acts chapter 2 real fast. Acts chapter number 2. When I get excited, I act like a novice. I wasn't taught to act this way in Bible college, amen. So y'all pray for me. Acts chapter 2. And uh, I say this is a saving gift, a serving gift, a supplied gift, a stagnant gift. Let me say this needs to be a shared gift. Acts chapter 2 verse 38 says this. Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remissions of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Amen. <laughs> Go to Acts chapter 10 real fast. I want you to see, I want you to see this uh, real quick. Go to Acts chapter 10. Acts 2.38. Go to Acts 10.45. says this. And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished as many as came with Peter because of the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. Go to Acts chapter, uh, Acts chapter 11 verse 17. Uh, For as much then as God gave them the like gift as he did unto us who believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. What was I that I could withstand God? The gift of the Holy Ghost, the gift of salvation is a gift that needs to be shared. Can I tell you today, a lot of folks are dying and going to hell out of ignorance. And I believe, listen, I believe this. I believe that there are people out there by the billions that if somebody would just go and just share the gospel with them and tell them about the wondrous story, they'd get saved. But the problem is people aren't going because people aren't as excited about the gospel as they should be. The old story has grown old. It's just mechanical. It's just mechanical. It's like the church at Ephesus. They had, they had labor and patience and hope, but all the joy was gone from it. Can I tell you today, we've got people today, there's, some, there's somebody here tonight under the sound of my voice. You have left your first love. You used to be on fire for God. You used to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You used to enjoy sermons like this. Now you're sitting there thinking... My DVR is recording that game right there tonight. This preacher needs a hush so I can get back home and watch that. Can I tell you, just check your app on your phone before church. Amen. You'll be all right. Can I tell you, the church, the last thing that was said over and over again to the church in Revelation chapter 2 and 3 was the word repent. And I think today, I'm not nearly as worried about apostasy as I am worried about apathy. I think apostasy is the long-term result of apathy. 
And I think a lot of folks, you've grown cold to the things of God. And you haven't stirred up your gift in a long time. When's the last time you drove down the road by yourself in the car and nobody was around and you just crying, shouting, praising God, thanking God for what He's done? When's the last time you've done that? The world will never be changed by a group of cold, dead Christians. It's not going to happen. Unless we get stirred up, we can't shake up the world. Let's pray. Father, bless now. Help us, O God. Lord, help us to get back to our first love. First love, Lord. Help us get back to that. Be honest tonight. Have you lost the wonder of it all? Have you lost the wonder of it all? Have you grown cold? Have you chilled out a little bit spiritually? Father, bless this invitation. Oh, God, do a work in our hearts. Revive us again. Lord, this is, this is the answer. These people are the answer. This church is the answer. Will thou not revive us again, Lord? Revive us. Help us to get right again. Get on fire again. Help us, Lord. Let's all stand as the piano begins to play tonight. <laughs>